everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast with Mike Tagliere, and I'm Bobby Sylvester. We're on Twitter at Mike Tagliere NFL and at Bobby Fantasy Pro. Tags, what's going on, man? Nothing, dude. It's it's been a good morning. It's like you know, I, I wrapped up the primer for the week, and um, it's the time of the year where I'm going to start compiling stats. And I released an article last year on the 82 most interesting stats that I could find. Um, so I started doing research for that today, and it, it's so much fun looking at stuff like this. Like I I posted the one on Twitter because I could not contain it, and. If you, so I've mentioned this in the podcast, but I actually did the research to, to back it up. If you were to combine all the quarterbacks from the NFL in 2018, they would have posted a, a 92.7 quarterback rating. That is higher than the career marks of Joe Montana, Andrew Luck, Matthew Stafford, Dan Marino, Brett Favre, Troy Aikman. And it's not really even close either. Like Brett Favre was at 86. Troy Aikman was at 81. Yeah. And that's the thing. So like a lot of people are coming back at me and saying like, oh, you can't compare this. And I've been on record. We've talked about it on the podcast about how, you know, the, the game is changing. So wait, are these people saying that like Chad Pennington is better than Troy Aikman? Is that what they're saying? Well, that's like the one guy said, are you saying Blake Bortles is better than Troy Aikman? And I said, well, obviously. That guy was joking, I think. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, it, like the, the it's ridiculous. And even the touchdown to interception ratio, there was 834 touchdowns and 418 interceptions. That ratio, okay, is two to one. It's it's just under two to one, but it rounds up to two to one. That would be like top five of all time. That ranks top 25 of all time among quarterbacks. It's just it. The game is changing, and you're gonna have to compare players to the, to guys in their era. And for those of you who think that I was ripping on Troy Aikman, I kind of was, um, because like if you were to compare Troy Aikman to those in era in his era, he was still not very good. You're right. You're definitely right about that. He just won a lot. Okay, I've got another one too, and I didn't actually see that you posted this before I posted. I found it last night, and I was like, I'm gonna save it for the morning so a lot of people see it. So this year alone, there were nine 290 fantasy point quarterbacks. Going into 1984, the quarterback record was 290 fantasy points. That year, Dan Marino moved it to 355. The equivalent of that today, like taking it 23% higher, would be if Mahomes raised Peyton Manning's 412 record instead of 417 or whatever to 504. So basically, if Mahomes had 6,167 passing yards and 61 <laughs> touchdowns, he would have had as good of a season comparatively as Dan Marino had in 1984. No, it's nuts. I think they've taken the game too far in this direction. And like the thing is, is the long. I'm fine with it. It's just it just happened so quick. Yeah, it, it's like the whole thing with baseball, juicing the baseballs and whatnot. It's like you know they they do want to protect quarterbacks, and I understand it from a business standpoint. But at the same time, it's it's really destroying the record books where you're going to have guys that just literally destroy record books just because of the way the game's played. Like you can't touch a quarterback wide receivers get all the benefits of the doubts. And like, there's no, like, you know, safeties can't hit over the middle of the field and uh, like defenseless receivers. These things didn't, didn't exist back in the nineties. I'm cool with it for the health of it. And uh, you know what? I think it's kind of like baseball where there's going to be, well, back in the dead ball era, of course, Walter Johnson, you know, had uh, a 1.4 ERA but we don't talk about those guys in the records. It's like, who was the best before the dead ball era? Who was the best after that? And this is, who was the best after we got serious about concussions? Who was the best before? So I, I think that's the way it's going to go, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's the thing. is that's, I just want people to understand. I'm not saying that the, the quarterbacks, you combine them all, they're better than Dan Marino. I'm not saying that. It just goes to show how far the game has trended in that direction. Yeah, and I hate when people take it too far and say that no, we're saying something else. Don't put words in our mouth. Come on, guys. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> 
All right, so we're going to get into our DFS show, and it's going to be a little bit different than we usually do it. Typically, we go quarterback and then running back, wide receiver, and then we circle back around and we go GPP. This week, what we're going to do, we've got four games. We're going to go one game at a time and really talk in depth about those games. First, though, I want to tell you about pristineauction.com. We've been talking about them a little bit, and uh, I, Tags, I was telling you I've got the itch to buy something. I found a couple things I've got on my watch list right now. And when the time comes, I'm going to get some bids in, and uh, hopefully I can win one or two of them. Pristine Auction auctions off hundreds of items every day. Everything is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. You're going to be really surprised by some of the values you can find. I saw an Aaron Jones signed Packers jersey. 52 bucks yesterday. I signed Aaron Donald Pittsburgh Panthers helmet for just 91 bucks. You can find some great values. There's something for everyone, no matter who your team is. Check out pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. And when you buy something from them, make sure to let them know Fantasy Pro sent you. That way we can keep doing the contest we've been doing lately. I'm sure we'll have a new one soon. All right, man, so let's get right into it. We're going to go in order of when the games are happening. Indianapolis at Houston. First of all, who do you have in this one, Tags? I have Indianapolis winning this game. Okay. I do as well. I mean, it's it's probably the best game. I think a lot of people are going to say Los Angeles and Baltimore. I think Los Angeles is a lot better than Baltimore. And it's in Baltimore, so maybe it'll be closer. But Indianapolis-Houston, this is just a complete coin flip. Yeah, this one's going to be really close. It's the third time these teams are going to play each other. Um, the, the thing you need to know about this game is that I think Andrew Luck is the must-play. Uh, like, looking at the slate on DraftKings, they're the they're the site that has all four games mixed into one. And uh, so Andrew Luck is 6,400. Deshaun Watson, 67. I feel like Luck is the better play, and he's cheaper. So uh, he's my top quarterback on the slate. He uh, he finishes a top five quarterback in like both times they played against the Texans this year. And keep in mind, that's with all the teams playing. We're on just like, we only have eight teams playing here. So it's like, to get away from Luck is really hard to do. And the Texans... Basically, if they don't get a pass rush, if they can't get to the quarterback, their secondary doesn't have the talent to hang with wide receivers. Well, they've got a great pass rush, but Indianapolis might have the best offensive line in football, so it doesn't matter. That's very true, and that's the thing, is Andrew Luck has been sacked just nine times in the last 12 games, and over the last uh, five games... The Texans have allowed an average of 365 passing yards and 2.2 touchdowns per game to the combination of Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Nick Foles, and Andrew Luck. That's not good. Yeah, no, they've trended in the wrong direction. They've only had nine sacks in their last five games. So, I mean, I expect them to bring it in the playoffs. They are at home, so you have to factor that in. But with weather not being worrisome, I feel like Andrew Luck is kind of like a must-play in this game. Plus, you've got playoff Andrew Luck. You remember him, right? I didn't go back and look at previous playoff records. Oh, man. He was the best. He was the best. That one game where they were down like three touchdowns and he carried them back and they won it like 44-41 or something crazy like that. Andrew Luck in the playoffs is really something to see. And you look at his games, okay? He hasn't had the easiest schedule, but he's got a couple games mixed in there where it's like, okay, I could see him doing really well against those teams. Miami, the Jets, Oakland, the Patriots, the Bengals. You know when his two best games came? They came against Houston. 40 for 62 with 464 yards and four touchdowns in the first meeting. That one was at home. Then they went to Houston, a little bit tougher, but it was still a great game. 27 for 41, 399 yards, only two touchdowns, 24 fantasy points, his second best game of the season. Andrew Luck crushes Houston. The reason why is Indianapolis is smart. They know this is a pass-funnel defense. You can't run against them. you got to pass the ball 40, 50, 60 times, and that's what they're going to do to try to win this game. I'm all about Andrew Luck. I don't think he'll be the most owned, 
but I am all about Andrew Luck this week. He should be the most owned. I mean, Deshaun Watson's not a— It's going to be him or Watson. A lot of people are going to say, oh, well, Indianapolis, they're not very good on defense. I'm going to pick Deshaun Watson. He's got a rushing floor as well. I think they're probably going to have 65 70% of the ownership between the two of them. Yeah, I expect this one to, I mean, it's definitely got the highest over-under on the slate and that people are going to attack that. Uh, Watson, the the concern for Watson is that, you know, he's got Hopkins, yeah, but like losing Demarius Thomas, losing Will Fuller throughout the season, not having like a really uh, a pass-catching running back that he can rely on, not having a tight end that literally, you know, forces defenses to, to, to keep them honest, it's really tough. The Colts have actually been really good. I mean, they, they've had one of the softest schedules against quarterbacks, so I don't really want to, because like the only top 12 fantasy quarterbacks that the Colts played this year were Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott. They did shut down Dak Prescott. That's incredible. It's nuts. You, Watson against them finishes the QB six in their first meeting that was in Indianapolis, and then he finishes the QB seventeen when they were back in Houston. The good thing about Watson, though, is obviously his rushing totals, and he's running the ball a lot more lately. Twenty-one carries in his last two games, thirteen times uh, in week seventeen. That's the most this season. He had sixty-six yards and a touchdown. So he's clearly like his offensive line is breaking down. He's been sacked more. He's been taking off running more because he doesn't have options to throw to. So. I do think that he is safe enough, I guess, for cash, but I don't know why you would... Why would you do it when you've got Andrew Luck? Right. Who's cheaper? If they were the same price, it's like, you're going to go back and forth, but $300 can be the difference between a wide receiver you want and a wide receiver you don't. And on FanDuel, it's $400. Their main slate is on Sunday, but they also have Saturday-Sunday contests. Lots of money up for grabs on FanDuel as well. And you look at Deshaun Watson. Since week five, his passing totals for passing yards, I mean, he's got 339 was his best against Philly. 294 against the Jets, 267 against the Colts. Besides that, he hasn't been above 235 since week five, but he runs the ball so well, he gets all the touchdowns, that his fantasy totals have been great. He finished as the number four fantasy quarterback this year. For sure, but it, it wouldn't shock you if he, if he ran for, you know, 60-plus yards in this game. So that that's, like, massive. And he runs more in the red zone. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's a great tournament option. He might, he might even be the best tournament option. I, th- I think it's Trubisky. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, I think Trubisky and GPP is my quarterback tournament option. I mean, you can use any of these guys in tournaments. None of them are guaranteed to have like fewer than 15 or 20 fantasy points. I could see any of them going off. But yeah, Watson's a great play for tournaments. I love luck a little bit more for cash games. Yeah, this is a game to attack. I mean, going down to the running backs in this game, like Marlon Mack at 6K, you don't touch him. Like I don't zero interest. I, I won't have any exposure even in GPP. Even if he was $2,000 cheaper. I'm with you on that one. Like, I don't, there's no reason. Like, a good game for him against Houston might be 60 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And that's not going to win you a tournament when you're paying 6K for him. Like, if you're going to look for someone like that, you might as well go to, like, Josh Adams, you know, who's a, a lot cheaper. Uh, Marlon Mack doesn't catch very many passes. I, he could, but they have Hines, so why would he? Right. And Hines, the, like, the, the time that they played back in week four, Marlon Mack was not available for that game. So it's like, that's very noteworthy. Yeah, we have one game against Houston. It was garbage. Yeah, his his career high was, a, uh, he had a career high 11 targets in that game, caught nine of them for 63 yards, two touchdowns. So Hines is like the better pass catching option. So, I mean, at 3,500, it's like, I don't think that you can, I don't think it's he's a bad play in cash. Like if you want to put- Did you say 3,500 on DraftKings? Yeah, for Naheem Hines. Oh, oh, Hines. Okay. I was going to say Marlon Max 7,200 on FanDuel. 
No, I don't, no, I'm, I'm talking about like so like basically when you when you're going to pay up for some of the options we're going to talk about later, you're going to have to find some cheaper guys to put in your lineup that offer you a high floor in cash. And I wouldn't play Naheem Hines in the tournament, uh, but I do think in cash, 3500, you could do it on DraftKings. I wouldn't do it on FanDuel just because luck spreads the ball around so much. Like I don't think it's exactly a guarantee to hit value, but on DraftKings at 3500, he does not need much to do it. Exactly. I mean, that's what what he catches four balls for 30 yards and it's like you're basically getting double the value and that's fine. On a four game slate, you don't need three X value. You don't. So I I really did pay attention to DraftKings this week, like like extra. Like I didn't even look at FanDuel because when I did look at FanDuel, it was split up in two game slates, which really it I didn't like that. I, I really wanted the four games together. It's like four games is small enough to go down to two. It's like you're going to have to take some Hail Marys in those games. I like both. I'm going to play both two game slates and the four game slate. Yeah, so I think Hines is, like, in, in DraftKings, I think he's okay for cash if you're looking for a cheap option. I think this is the time to gain an advantage on FanDuel and DraftKings because, like, everyone just wants to play, and there's just not as much research out there. There's not as many podcasts, as many articles about the DFS slate. And if you're paying attention, I mean, most weeks everyone's paying attention. If you're paying attention this week, you're one of, like, 30% of people who are going to be playing. Right, and that's the thing, is that's why, like, we did the primer. The primer came out this morning, so if you haven't seen it yet, go to go to the website, fantasypros.com, and check out the primer, which I write a paragraph. Like, these, these are actually really long paragraphs. I did a bigger article than usual just because I, I thought I had the time to do it. So there is almost 13,000 words on four games. <laughs> so it's like I wrote up these games, like, in-depth, and I talked about every player at their price point, whether they're in play for tournaments or cash. So... Check it out. Um, Bobby, what's your take on Lamar Miller? So he's only 4,900. He's not heavily involved in the passing game, which is really upsetting because the Colts, if there's one area they do struggle, it's against pass-catching running backs. They they allowed they, they, they were tied for the second-most receptions allowed to the uh, position and the seventh-most yards to them. But now with Kiki QT, looks like he's coming back. I, I don't – Lamar Miller, I mean, he's going to get the goal line carries. He's only 4,900, so he's not a bad price. I – I don't, I don't think that he's someone that you should scratch off in cash just because it's 4,900 for a running back. You know who's going to get 15-plus touches, but it's not great touches because the Colts were one of the only teams in the NFL who did not allow a 100-yard rusher all season. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm fond of Lamar Miller. Um, I don't really love any of the running backs on this slate, if I'm being honest. So it really comes down to how much money do I have left because there's no one that like seems like a lock to me. Uh, with that said, he did look pretty good last week against Jacksonville, 17 for 56 and a touchdown. I don't love him against the Colts, but the Colts don't have as good of a run defense as Jacksonville. And prior to the injury, 19 carries for 103, 12 carries against Tennessee for 162, 20 against Washington for 86. He also had three receptions for 22 yards in that game, uh, 18 for 133 and a touchdown against Miami, 22 for 100 and a touchdown against Jacksonville. But he's been terrible since the injury, though. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. Last week he wasn't, though. I, I think a lot of people are forgetting how good he was before the injury. Yeah, but just over – so that's the thing is, like, I was looking at it, and, like, on his last 34 attempts over the last three games that he's played, I mean, he's he's averaged just 2.85 yards per carry. Against the Colts this year, he played them twice. Um, he tallied just 82 yards on 28 carries, which is under three yards per carry. He did score a touchdown, and that's what I'm saying, like – I don't think he's like the worst play in the world because he is guaranteed touches, but I don't think that he's someone that is going to win you a tournament just because like he, he he's probably not going to top 100 yards. He might score once and he's not involved very much in the passing game. So I'll have zero exposure to him in GPP for cash games. He's number five on my list. Yeah, that's I, I think he's a better cash play than he has tournaments, but I think you could do better in cash, though. 
So wide receiver, you already mentioned him, Kiki QT. I love playing QT this week. $5,600 on FanDuel. Great price on DraftKings as well. Uh, Demarius Thomas is out. Uh, Watson's going to have to pass to someone. And the last time that QT played against these Colts, 15 targets, 11 receptions, 109 yards. He is in my lineup. You bet. Yeah, he was all over the field. And that's the thing is like, so in cash, it's really tough. Like, I think that he makes sense, but the risk of re-injury to that hamstring that's been, that's hurt him three times this year is really worrisome in cash. Like, but he's only 4K. It's not like you're paying up to get him. He's only played four full games. Like he was injured in two of them. So I don't want to count those. The four full games he played, he saw 15 targets, seven targets, five targets, and nine targets. That's awesome awesome target share for the price that you're he's only 4k on DraftKings so and mind you it was against four very difficult defenses too and that's the thing so the role that he plays he's used all over the field so he's not so much matchup dependent and the Colts they do run a lot of zone coverage so he he's he's kind of like going to get matched up with whoever they want him to get matched up with DeAndre Carter the guy that was filling his shoes had seen 15 targets over the last three weeks so it's like and he's moving outside QT is going to be in the slot I don't even think that Carter's moving outside I think that they're going to be playing Vincent Smith on the outside okay and so I like I, I, Carter is like a non-option for me if QT plays, which it seems like he is. He's had two back-to-back uh, full practices, so it looks like he's going to play, and I think he is a good option at 4K. The risk of re-injury scares me, but sometimes you have to deal with that. I think he's a great tournament play, though. I'm using him in cash games, no doubt about it. I mean, the the risk for re-injury, sure, but um, it's playoffs, man. I think he's going. You pull your hamstring in the playoffs, you keep playing. Yeah, I don't even know if you need to, though. Like, the thing is, wide receivers, like, you're going to want to play T.Y. Hilton, and you're going to want to play DeAndre Hopkins. Like, those are two guys that you're probably... Oh, I'm not playing Hopkins. I'm playing Hilton for sure, though. You're not going to play Hopkins? Nah. Not against the Colts, man. How are you going to pass up a guy that's going to see, like, 12-plus targets? Oh, because I need the money for running back. <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've to make a decision. I'm, I'm not fading T.Y. Hilton. I'm not fading either of my running backs. Um, just because running back is such a mess this week. T.Y. Hilton, by the way, a couple weeks ago against Houston, 12 targets, 9 receptions, 199 yards. Uh, earlier in the year face Houston, he had 115 yards. He's like Andrew Luck's only receiver. I'm all aboard on T.Y. Hilton this week. I like T.Y. too. I think he's a must-play. I think Hopkins is a must-play too. Like, I mean, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Elliott in my lineup. I'm going to get Hopkins. I'm going to get Hilton. And then I'll worry about the rest. Like, I'll figure it out. We've got Hopkins at 92% projected ownership, so I might need to reconsider there. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Like, that's the thing is, like, you can't get away from those targets. You you legit can't. And I understand it's the Colts, but understand this. Like, the Colts have been good, but on 22 targets against the Colts this year, he's had 14 receptions for 205 yards and two touchdowns. So it's not like you. it's a must-avoid matchup or anything like that. Um, they just don't allow much on the ground, so they're going to have to move the ball through the air. Hopkins is, like I said, 10-plus maybe 12 plus targets you just can't on a four game slate you can't pass that up so him and Hilton are both phenomenal plays um if I had to choose between the two if I had to pick one man I I, I'm I still think I'm probably go with DeAndre Hopkins I at least know he's healthy and I know he's going to get 12 plus targets I don't think I can say the same about T.Y. Hilton who's missing another practice I do like Hilton and when he was on the field against the Texans this year like he played two games and people like talk about the what he put up against them he only played 97 of the 158 snaps because he got hurt in that first game, and he, and he totaled 314 yards. That is 4.08 yards per route run against that defense. So I do love Hilton. I really do, and that's why I think you should play both of them. But 
if I had to choose one, I'm probably going to go with Hopkins just because he's just like the guy that I could lock in for, you know, double digit targets. And I can't do that with Hilton. I figured out a way to get Hopkins in my lineup, and I'm not sure if I want to roll that. We'll get to it later when we talk about uh, the running back that I replaced Jordan Howard with. Um, let's keep moving on, though. We'll talk about tight ends in this game. Eric Ebron is my cash game tight end. Are you using Zach Ertz or Eric Ebron? Because there's really no one else to consider for cash, right? Like, don't play Blake Jarwin. Correct. It's Ebron. Yeah, Jarwin's like the worst play, and I hope his ownership is is spiked because of what he did last week. He's a terrible play. We're projecting him at like a 7% ownership. I would love to see it around 20%. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be up at 20, but I, I was hoping for 10 plus. That's what I was hoping for, because if, if we get that, that's awesome, because it means less people are on Ebron. But you're getting too much of a discount to go to Ebron. The Texans allowed uh, two PPR points per target to tight ends uh, this year, and people played him a lot. Like, like the last time these two teams played, people were like locked into Eric Ebron. People are were a little let down by his four catch, 65 yards and a touchdown. But that's fine. I will take that on a four-game slate at 5,200 at tight end. Ertz against the Bears. The Bears have been really good. I don't think they've allowed a tight end touchdown since week eight. And and I get it. Like, Foles loves throwing to tight ends and everything like that. But you've got Eric Ebron. You don't need to mess up. I mean, he had one big game with Foles, and he's had two bad games with Foles. So, in a bad matchup in Chicago with Foles a little dinged up, dealing with that rib injury. I don't know. Also, on top of that, like, I know we're not on that game yet, but... I mean, Matt Nagy knows the Doug Peterson offense pretty well. And I, I think that both teams are going to struggle like doing much against either because it's like Matt Nagy, was he was kind of under Doug Peterson, was able to witness his offense. And obviously Peterson knows Nagy's offense because they're both under the Andy Reid coaching tree. So it's it's a really interesting game. Um, so me personally, Ebron, easy at tight end. Like he's my cash game play. And um, obviously he's fine for tournaments as well. I, I, do, I don't want to skip over... A, a, a phenomenal play and a guy that I feel like might be a great tournament option at 4,300. And that's Dontrell Alley Cox, Dontrell Inman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really actually do like using in GPP, Eric Ebron and Alley Cox. I could see them having three touchdowns combined because luck loves throwing to the tight end so much. And nobody's going to do that. Playing both of them in just in GPP. Oh, it's bold. I mean, there have been games this season where if you played that, in a four-game slate, you would have won a lot of money. Oh, for sure. And that's the thing. Like, I, I guess you can be bold in those situations, and that's, that is bold for sure. But, I mean, it might be just crazy enough to work. That's not one where I'm going to laugh at you. Sure. Okay. Well, Inman is a good call. I'm sorry we skipped over the Colts receivers besides Hilton. I just think Hilton's such a good play that I, I got excited. No, no, yeah, no, it's it's serious. I get it. Um, The Texans, like, their secondary, as I mentioned, if they don't get a pass rush, their secondary is terrible. Sharice Wright is out there starting over Aaron Colvin, who they signed this offseason, and they're just not even playing him on defense they can train him back to the Jags man we missed him <laughs> but yeah I mean this Inman has been running the second most routes in the team he's the clear-cut number two option Ryan Grant has fallen out of favor Chester Rogers is kind of playing over yeah, him Ryan Grant's like the number four or five right now yeah and Inman when luck targets Inman he has 123.1 quarterback rating that's the highest on the Colts roster so I like Inman an awful lot and I, I mean like with the target share that he's been getting I feel like he's 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 a solid option at 4300 yeah, he's 4300 on DraftKings. That's a great price. I can't quite play him on FanDuel. I could see it on DraftKings. He's 5500 on FanDuel. There's a couple other plays in that range that I like a little bit more. Our consensus projections have him at 4.8 half PPR points. It's not quite enough for me to play him in cash. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 risky in cash for sure, but at 4300 it's not too bad. And if you want to go even cheaper, I mean, this is the game I'm attacking. The reason I wanted to spend so much time on this game is because this is the game you attack. Like, Zach Pascal at 3K is not a bad option either. 
especially for GPP. Yeah, he's been sharing time with Ryan Grant. And um, the difference is that Pascal's produced on his targets. Like he has 16 targets in three games leading up to week uh, 17, which did include a five catch 68 yard, one touchdown performance against the Texans in week 14. So if you're looking for a min priced option, who's going to be under 5% owned, Pascal could potentially give you double digit fantasy points. He's got 18 fantasy points in two games this season. Guys, if he does that, that's 6x value. Mm-hmm. Yep, a 3K in a tournament, like, that's, it's nice if you want to stack luck. 0.1, ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, he's got a 13% hit rate. You think, well, what are the chances he's going to get 18 PPR points again? Well, it's happened 13% of the time, guys. <laughs> yep, and Bobby, how do you feel about the defenses in this game? Like, I think the Colts are my cash game defense. I'm using the Colts. Yep. In my in my cash game lineup, I got Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron, and the Colts. And I think Houston is is solid. Like they're gonna score some points, but you look at what the Colts have done against Houston so far this season. Five sacks, seven sacks. The Houston offensive line is the worst in the game. The the Colts have one of the best defenses in the game over the past two months. Three points against the Bills, 10 points against the Titans, six against the Jags, zero against Dallas, 11 against Tennessee. They've got a lot of sacks. They force turnovers Uh, against Houston. Like I mentioned, 12 sacks in two games. Yeah, I've got to play the Colts. They're a good price, too. Yeah, and like the the Texans offensive line has been getting worse as the season's gone on, and um, they've allowed 29 sacks over the last six games. That is horrible. Oddly, Watson hasn't turned the ball over in a long time, um, but when you get as much pressure as they're allowing, things are going to happen, and he might press a little bit, uh, being playoffs. Uh, The Colts did, as you mentioned, they racked up five sacks uh, the last time these two teams met, and the Colts' defense has posted double-digit fantasy points in four of their last seven games, so I I think they present a solid floor, and they're 2,300. They're basically the bare minimum, so they're my cash game defense. FanDuel, they're $500 cheaper than any other defense, and if they were the same price as every defense... I think I'd only take the Bears over them. They're my second defense this week in rankings. Yeah, the Bears, uh, I mean, obviously the Bears would be the one you'd want to go with, but... Yeah, I mean, they're they're $1,800 more expensive on FanDuel, so no. And when we're talking about paying up for some of these wide receivers and running backs, like, you're not going to be able to fit in those defenses, so the Colts' defense is definitely going to be in my lineup. Houston's not going to rack up the sacks, but I could see Andrew Luck having a 2, 3, 4 turnover game against Houston in the playoffs, especially if they get down early. Yep. Yep. So I I could use them in GPP. In cash games, I'm really not even considering anyone else. I guess maybe the Chargers if you have extra money. But for me, it's the Colts. Lock them in. Yep. All right, man. The next game, we got Seattle at Dallas. Uh, What do you think is going to happen in this one, Tags? Yeah, if there's another game you want to attack, like, because everybody knows that the Colts-Texans game is going to be heavily owned. Like I said, that's the game you want to attack, especially in cash. If you're looking for a different game to attack in, like, tournaments, I think this is the other one. Um, Seahawks and Cowboys, this one one can produce fireworks. And the reason I say that is because Seattle's defense has been letting up ever since their bye week. Um, They haven't been nearly as good. And the Dallas defense, I mean, we just saw Eli Manning and the, the... the Giants put them to the limit when they had their starters on the field for the entire game. Like, it's it's a little worrisome. That defense is young. I don't think they had anything to play for, man. If you look at them the rest of the season. But why were they on the field, though? I don't know, because uh, the Cowboys are kind of dumb. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is just, like, maybe it's the fact that, like, they're a younger team and, like, fatigue sets in. Like, they haven't been in this for the long season. It's, like, the beating you take over an NFL season. And I think that's why the Seahawks, they're a younger secondary, too. And you're starting to see them allow more and more points. So it's like... But, yeah, but you look at them the past month and like if fatigue set in why'd they only give up 10 points to the saints why'd they only give up 23 to the colts 20 to the bucks 
I mean, 23 and 20 points, that's okay. And then 35 points to the, the Giants. It's like, so they've allowed at least 20 points in each of the last four games. So that's like, that's not terrible when you look at the the total here of a 43 over under. Knowing that Seattle, again, they've been struggling a little bit too. So it's like, I wonder, again, this is another game that's going to be played indoors. You don't have to worry about weather. Russell Wilson, I went and actually looked at that. Russell Wilson has only played nine games in a dome throughout his NFL career. But in those games, he's completed 69% of his passes for 8.2 yards per attempt. He's good in a dome. And I just feel like if there's another game that could produce some fireworks, I think this one can do it. Because I think both offenses have the firepower to do it. I think they both have the firepower, but I just got to disagree with you because the pace for both these teams is so slow. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if both of them run the ball 25, 30 times. Well, Dallas, ever since acquiring Amari Cooper, they've turned into more of a pass-heavy heavy team. At the beginning of the season, they were a team that wanted to drain the clock. They, they really did just run the ball, and they were a boring offense. Seattle's going to continue to try and do that. And it's not to say they can't, but if the Cowboys put some points on the board, this could turn into a somewhat of a shootout. And in a tournament, that's what you're looking for. Again, in cash, I think that you should turn back to the Colts game. Like That's the one that I would attack the most. Um, but in this one, like between the quarterbacks, like who would you like more Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott? They're, they're similar prices. Russell Wilson's 5,700 Dak's 5,500. I don't know if I, I guess if I had to pick one, it would probably be Russell Wilson, but I'm not excited about it for a GPP. It would be Wilson. You know, I think if you're looking at their ownership rates, I think Wilson is going to be higher, like maybe 12, 15% in GPP. And I'd say there's about a 12-15% chance that he has the biggest week for a quarterback. Now, Prescott's going to be down around 4 or 5-6%, but I would also say that's about the chance that he's going to have the best week for a quarterback. So I think they're both decent GPP plays. you got to get exposure to both of them if you're playing a lot of lineups, um, but I don't really love either of them more than the other one. That's kind of how I feel. Like I'm not like in love. I, th- I think they're better tournament plays than they are cash. There's no reason that I would play any either of these guys over Locker Watson cash. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, their game logs right now. Wilson has had a few big games, 28 against the Chiefs, 26 against the Rams. He ran the ball a lot in both those games. I'm pretty sure Seattle was playing from behind in both of them as well. Uh, Besides that, he hasn't been above 24. Now let me pull up Prescott really quick because he's had some big games too. 33 against the Giants last week. He put up 27 against Washington, 29 against Jacksonville. And he runs the ball a little bit sometimes, too. He had 11 rushing attempts against Jacksonville in the playoffs. Uh, don't forget, Dak Prescott finds his way into the end zone fairly often. So you can think Russell Wilson's the only rushing quarterback in this game, but you're wrong. I think they both have quite a bit of upside. So the Seahawks have not allowed a rushing touchdown to a quarterback all season, and that included games against Cam Newton, Mitch Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Prescott. And like the thing is, is like I don't want to take too much from the game uh, that they played against Seattle earlier in the year uh, because it was without Amari Cooper and the offense has changed so much. But in that game, Prescott wasn't very good. Um, 19 of 34 passing for 168 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. So, like, the pace of play is concerning. As you mentioned, Seahawks opponents average just 59.7 plays per game, while the Cowboys uh, opponents average just 61.3 plays per game. So this is definitely one of the lower, it's expected to be one of the lower pace games. But at the same time, it's like, with the team's defense is struggling a little bit, the Cowboys moving more towards a, I don't want to say a pass-heavy offense, but more pass-friendly. I just feel like this one is is somewhat sneaky because of the firepower that the teams do have on offense. Yeah, yeah there's there's a chance for a shootout for sure. Both these guys have a lot of weapons, and uh, it could be one of those games. We saw Russell Wilson getting a couple shootouts, even even though Seattle had the great defense and everything like that. 
if the game comes down to it, they're going to put the ball in the air. And Wilson, he's right up there with the best in the league. So, yeah, there's definitely a chance. Now, at running back, do you like Zeke or Chris Carson or maybe somebody else, Mike Davis, for cash games? Zeke is like, he's a guy you can't pass on. You can't do it. It's, I mean... After seeing Zeke, you know, get another 300 carry season under his belt, they gave him the week off in week 17, and that's never a bad thing for a running back. Keep him fresh. His body's not bruised up going into this game. He's had enough rest. And the Seahawks, I mean, (laughs) they've been terrible as of late. They have allowed a top 12 running back performance in seven of the last nine games of the season. The lone exceptions were David Johnson and Matt Breida. I mean... That's not great. Over those nine games, they've allowed 5.13 yards per carry, but they've also allowed 552 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns to running backs. On a slate this small, Zeke is like, him and Hopkins are the two absolute like locks. Like They should be in every single lineup in terms of like cash. I mean, in tournaments, I, I'm still going to have Zeke in tournaments, but I mean, if you're going to differentiate, you're going to have to split up your exposure, but Zeke I would even say over DeAndre Hopkins, Zeke is a must play. Like, absolutely has to be in your lineup. Everybody worries about matchups with running backs. Guys like Ezekiel Elliott, it frankly does not matter. Like, you look at what he's done against some of these teams. Jacksonville, 24 carries for 106 yards. He went up against Tennessee, 17 for 61. He also had 51 through the air on four receptions. I mean, he's had some really tough opponents, and he shreds all of them. He's a lock for 15 fantasy points. I'd say he's close to a lock for 20 fantasy points. Yeah, he's a great play. Yep, that's that, that's what I'm saying. It's just like it's not even a tough matchup uh, for him and knowing he's involved in the passing game. It, it's mediocre. Seattle's right in the middle of the pack. But the thing is, over the last nine games, they've been like a bottom five run defense, I would argue. They, they play really physical. They're going to play hard in the, in the playoffs. But what would you say the over-under is for Zeke touches? 25? <laughs> yes. I'd take the over. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, if you were going to set a realistic over under, I would say I would probably set it at twenty two and a half, maybe twenty three, and that's that's massive. Even if he's nine k on a four game slate, you cannot avoid him. He's a- wait, you'd put it down at twenty two or twenty three. I mean, since okay, since November, here's his touch count: twenty five, thirty, thirty one, twenty nine, forty. 25 23 he's getting 25 plus touches well the, the only concern there obviously is when you talk about the Seahawks and their pace of play and how they slow the game down like that's the only concern here is that there's not enough plays in this game for everything to kind of work out in his favor but I would still say the over I would probably say the over on 25 I, I probably would but on the other side I know a lot of people are going to be wondering about Chris Carson because he's been phenomenal he's been awesome he's total he's totaled at least 16 touches each of the last seven games he's had 20 or more touches in each of the last four games and that, again, it's hard to avoid that volume, but when we look at the things, it's like you rarely want to play running backs on both sides of the ball. I understand it's a four-game slate, so you have to look at it a little bit differently, but they're on the road, they're underdogs, and again, they're, they're, they're a team playing they're in a slower-paced game. Is there enough attempts to go around here? Like Because Rashad Penny is going to be active, Mike Davis is more involved in the passing game. Game script is a concern. Like For Zeke, it's not. He's, he's involved in the passing game. If Carson... Carson's been really good in good matchups. When in bad matchups, he's been mediocre. Yeah, and that's the thing. is like I think the Cowboys are... I don't think they're a bad matchup. I don't think they're a good matchup. I think they're the definition of an average matchup for a running back. But if the game script goes south, that's where it's going to really hurt Chris Carson. You think the Cowboys are average? I think they're top five against running backs. I wouldn't say that they're top five. They have been this year in points allowed. 
fantasy points allowed. But that doesn't it's it doesn't really describe the entire thing that you've seen. Like so I looked up so the teams that have actually run the ball against them, the reason that they they allowed so few points is because the the, the lack of plays against them, the lack of rushing attempts against them because there were five teams this year that totaled more than 20 carries against them. That's that's so small, right? But those five teams averaged 120 yards and 1.2 rushing touchdowns per game. So if you stick to the run against them, you can do it. And the Seahawks are the team that do that. So I don't think Carson's someone I would like necessarily cross off. But again, if I'm picking someone from this game, it's Zeke. Yeah, for cash, I'm not even considering Chris Carson. I mean, he's a decent play, but there's just better options. Uh, GPP, yeah, I'll play some Carson. I'm definitely playing Zeke in both. Tags, do you know if Sean Lee's going to play? He's got the hamstring injury. Uh, he's only played five games this year, and he hasn't been especially good. But, you know, it's the playoffs. He used to be maybe the best run defender, run defending linebacker in the league. Is there a chance he plays and just dominates for Dallas? Is there a chance? Sure, there's a chance. But, I mean, they made him a healthy scratch, so I don't even know if he gets in the field. He might be active, but they might choose not to use him unless there's, like, an injury because things have been going well for that defense and they haven't needed him. Like, they had him as a healthy scratch. I, I can't see him, you know, walking back into a starting lineup. I, I didn't realize he was a healthy scratch. That's so crazy how quick he's fallen, man. Oh, yeah, no, like, they moved on. He was better than Luke Keekley. Don't come after me, Carolina fans, but Sean Lee was incredible. No, he was not better than Keekley. <laughs> yes, he was. Oh, Sean Lee was the best man. He just couldn't stay healthy. He, that well, the fact that he couldn't stay healthy is very true. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him over Keekley. Okay, that's that's fair. I won't fight you on that one. Let's <laughs> move on over to the wide receivers in this one. A lot of people are going to want to play Amari Cooper. We've got him at like sixty percent ownership. I'm not doing it. I can't afford it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how you play Cooper outside of a tournament. Like the reason I say that, I don't think he's a bad play in cash. Well, it's because everyone's going to have so much money. I mean, there's only so many guys you can spend up on, and everyone's like, "Well, he had 70 points in two fantasy games." Yeah, he also has seven in the past three weeks. Yeah, I mean, he should have had more in week 17. Like Dak Prescott missed him. Like he, Cooper legitimately ran a route that was like so that was so good that he actually fell down during it and still had eight yards of separation basically when the when the ball was thrown and Dak missed him. Uh, it should have been a touchdown. But it's just Amari Cooper is a good player. Like he's going to get the targets, so I have no issue with him. Like I, he has seen at least seven targets in seven of nine games with the Cowboys. So again, he presents the ceiling you want. But in cash, it's like, can you play him over T.Y. Hilton? Because that's the choice you have to make. And I'm not going to play him over Hilton. Hilton's been too consistent uh, with Andrew Luck to to do that. Um, in a tournament, I think Amari Cooper's phenomenal. But yeah, Hopkins and Hilton are the two I'm going to pay up for if I'm paying up at wide receiver. Cooper's going to be used a ton in tournaments, like to the point where I don't even know if there's value for that with that. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. It's just like he's going to be owned, but at the same time, he's, I mean, he's shown that he, and there's been like a handful of times where he's gone over 200 yards. Like that's very possible. Like the Seahawks don't have a shutdown cornerback. Shaquille Griffin, their, you know, perceived top cornerback actually hurt his ankle last week. And we don't even know if he's going to play. And if he does play, if he's less than hundred percent, you're not going to stop Amari at less than hundred percent. So, and Pete Carroll, by the way, and if people are like, oh, they're going to, they're going to focus in on Amari. Pete Carroll doesn't do that. Pete Carroll's defense is what it is. And it's, they basically say, this is what we're going to do. And this is why Aaron Rodgers was able to like, you know, like the Green Bay offense was able to game plan and say, we're going to stick Boykin over here on Richard Sherman's side. We're not going to target him at all because we know that Pete Carroll's scheme is what it is and they're going to play their game and we have to beat them at their game. So Amari, they can get the matchup they want with him. So I do like Amari. I do like Amari. I just can't play him over the other two guys. What about Michael Gallup? I don't like him for cash games. He has been getting a lot of targets. He's been getting a ton of air yards. But for GPP, I think I like Gallup more than Cooper. I do like Gallup and Cash. Um, oddly enough, like 
I do because like when you're talking about wide receiver, if you have to pay down at wide receiver at 3,600, I mean, <laughs> you're not going to find. Yeah. In DraftKings, 3,600 is great. You're not going to find anyone else who's guaranteed five, six, seven, eight, nine targets. Um, on Fandle, we don't have the uh, the luxury of spending down that much for Gallup. Yeah, he's averaged. So ever since Amari got there, like people thought it was his target share would dip. No, ever since Amari got there, he's averaged 5.3 targets per game. And that includes a zero target game in week 15. So it's like if you remove that, it's like you're talking about like basically seven targets a game is what he's been getting at 3,600 against Trey Flowers in coverage. I mean, that guy struggled since their buy. Again, I've talked about that. He's a lot since their buy. He's allowed 31 of 47 passing for 514 yards and three touchdowns. That's 10.9 yards per target and a touchdown every 15.7 targets in coverage. So, I mean, Gallup at 3,600, I have no issue with. Like, I really don't. Like, I, I don't think he, I don't think he's a must play. Yeah, he's 5,700 on FanDuel. Yeah, I don't think he's a must play on either site. But I, I, if you're looking to save some money at wide receiver, I don't think he's a bad play at all. On Dallas, we've also got Cole Beasley. We've seen him have a few big games. They're not really using him quite as much lately. Uh, three, three, four, seven, five, six targets. He did have a nice game last week with 18 fantasy points, but uh, I'm not sure I want to bank on that in cash games. GPP, I think, is a solid play. So Justin Coleman, um, he's been really good. He's probably the best cornerback on that team. And the only slot touchdown I think they allowed was to the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. The, the Seahawks, that is. So I don't think Cole Beasley is a great play. Um, you know, when looking at Gallup and Cooper and with Zeke, I, I just don't find the need to involve Cole Beasley very much this game in, in, in what might be the toughest matchup for the wide receivers. All his production has come against teams who are bad against slot cornerbacks. And the Cowboys just say, all right, this is the game we're going to throw to Beasley. It's not this game. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel. So I'm I'm probably at 3,500. It's like that's not a bad price, but I would I would prefer someone with a higher ceiling. All right, Seattle wide receivers. We've got Doug Baldwin, who's been hot lately. Tyler Lockett, who had a great season. It is an incredible price on DraftKings. I think a ton of people are going to play him over there. I'm not. What do you think about these two or maybe somebody else, David Moore? Yeah, so Lockett, the price on DraftKings, they're like tempting you into playing him at 5,300. That makes me happy. Like, I, I want his ownership to be high because I don't think he's the best play. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I don't think he's a terrible play, but I don't think he's a good play. Like this is how I felt about Lockett all year long, and I, I mean, it reflects in the stats because like if he doesn't score the touchdowns that he has, like it's stupid. Like his touchdown, he's catching a touchdown every seven point one targets, and that's going to inflate his numbers because there's like there's games where it's like twenty yards and a touchdown. It's like okay, his stats that's fine, his overall fantasy numbers, but if he doesn't score, he lets you down. And like he has seen more than six targets just once all season. He's seen four or less targets on seven different occasions. So I can't play someone like that in cash for fifty three hundred. I don't care what the matchup is. It's just that's not enough targets for me to consider him there. Um, the pace of play again should be slow. I expect them to try and run the ball a lot. Lockett could wind up with four or five targets here, and can he do damage on them? Sure. I mean, he's catching a touchdown every seven point one targets. So I would reserve him for tournament lineups only. But at fifty three hundred, I'm not playing him in cash. Baldwin, I don't think I think his matchup is better in the slot. So Anthony Brown is a former sixth round pick from two thousand sixteen who's allowed at least a 103.8 QB rating in his coverage each of the three seasons he's been in the league. Uh, we saw Golden Tate demolish him in the slot uh, earlier in the year. He had eight catches for 132 yards and two touchdowns. That's another veteran um, who's a, a, a good route runner, Golden Tate. Um, Doug Baldwin's not quite as good after the catch, but I think Baldwin is the one I would rather play in tournaments just because I think his target ceiling is higher. Is he healthy all of a sudden? Because, I mean, he had two great games in a row. Is Doug Baldwin finally healthy? He's 
healthy-ish. <laughs> I don't think at his age, um, like with this with the NFL season, I don't think that he's going to be 100%. Yeah, he's still missing practice. Yeah, and I've moved on from him as like a, a guy that was like, oh my God, he's a top 15 wide receiver play when he's healthy. I've kind of moved off that. This offense just doesn't throw enough. You know, Tyler Lockett emerging, Doug, David Moore stepping up. Like, I just feel like Doug Baldwin's a matchup play. And if you look at the matchups here, it's like, he might have the best matchup on the field, so I I guess him, but I'm not really excited about him. All right, David Moore, Jaron Brown, any interest or in any of these tight ends, Blake Jarwin, Nick Vanette? Uh, no, so David Moore is like a guy that's like, you're just looking for one long touchdown to hit crazy value with low ownership. I mean, and like that, the chances are good because obviously he has Russell Wilson throwing the ball, but the matchup isn't great. So I don't think you need to play him like as a tournament. If you're putting together, you know, tons of tournament lineups, I'd have some exposure. But as for the tight ends in this game... I am not going to own any of them. Nick Vanette, Ed Dixon are in a, a timeshare. Blake Jarwin, um, again, like this is terrible. The Seahawks have been phenomenal against tight ends. There has been one tight end all season to top 54 yards against them, and that was the record-setting George Kittle back in Week 13 when he totaled 70 yards. So it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, good luck, Blake Jarwin. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't play Jarwin. What about defense? Dallas or Seattle? Dallas hasn't done anything fantasy-wise this year. They they stop people. They don't score a bunch of points, but the sacks, the turnovers, not really there. Yeah, I, they're not one that I would play. Uh, the Cowboys, I don't think they're worth it. The Seahawks aren't a bad option for cash. Like, it, I mean, I do like the Colts, but I feel like the Seahawks' defense isn't bad. Like, Dak Prescott does hold onto the ball too long at times. His offensive line hasn't been nearly as good as some people think. He was the second most quarterback in all of football this year, so... I feel like the Seahawks defense at 2,600 isn't bad. Again, we're looking at another road team, which really stinks, but at 2,600, they're not a bad price. I'm going to play the Colts in cash, but the Seahawks, I don't think they're bad at all. Okay. All right, Tags, we're moving on over to the Sunday slate, and we have a contest for just the Sunday slate on DraftKings. It is free, and you can win a million dollars. Tags, can you tell them a little bit about it? Yes, and so the contest itself, this one is not going to win you a million dollars. However... The idea here is that we are giving we're giving you a shot to win a million dollars. How you do that? One, we have a contest. All you do is go to fantasypros.com forward slash contest. You enter the free contest that serves as a qualifier to the number the second step. Okay, so if you win this qualifier, you get an entry into DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship. What that is, it's a ten thousand dollar value, which also includes hotel and travel expenses to New Jersey. Once you are in New Jersey, the entrance for the Sports Betting National Championship gets a bankroll of $5,000 to work with. Whoever turns that into the high bankroll via real bets over a three-day period wins $1 million. And there, it's not you don't even have to win the $1 million. There are other prizes that are part of this totaling $2.5 million. So make sure you guys go over to fantasypros.com forward slash contest. Get on in on this. It's absolutely free, guys. Like, there's no reason that you shouldn't be doing this. Stop what you're doing. Pause the podcast. Go. Fantasypros.com forward slash contest. All right, man. Let's move on over to this Sunday slate. We've got the Chargers at Baltimore. Yeah, this one is like, it's. I'm not excited about this game at all. Like, Phillip Rivers looked terrible. Terrible when these two teams met just two weeks ago. That game was in L.A., which... As we've talked about, it's not really a home game because the Chargers don't have home games. You need fans to show up for home games. Uh, but Phillip Rivers looked terrible against them. Like, he had nothing. 181 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. His two worst games of the season are the last two weeks. And his third worst game was four weeks ago against Cincinnati. Yup. And that's the thing. is like, over the last four weeks, he has six interceptions and just four touchdowns. That's not... There might be something wrong with him. I don't know what's going on. 
I don't know. I, I just think that they've tried to do too much in terms of like like trying to keep Tyrell Williams on the field, pushing Keenan Allen back into the lineup when maybe he wasn't ready, putting Melvin Gordon out there when he was hurt. I think Melvin Gordon not being in the lineup definitely hurt Rivers in the flow of the offense. Um, so there's there's like kind of a lot of things that went wrong. Hopefully they're healthy. Hopefully everything is fine. Mike Williams should be on the field a lot more um, than they have, but we're too late in the season to expect that to change. It's it's unfortunate because Tyrell Williams continues to play over him, and it makes no sense. Tyrell Williams is not even close to the player that Mike Williams is. Maybe Williams doesn't know the whole playbook. I, I That's the only excuse I can think of. Yeah, it's tough to say. I, I don't know. It's crazy to me. Yeah, and the Ravens, so to their credit, the reason that I'm not excited about Phillip Rivers in this game, like bouncing back or anything, it's in Baltimore. Obviously, the weather is going to be semi-brutal. Like I would imagine it's going to be under 30 degrees when this game is played. They just went through like a gauntlet of quarterbacks the last five weeks. They've played Matt Ryan, Patrick Mahomes, Jameis Winston, Phillip Rivers, and Baker Mayfield. To the combination of, of those quarterbacks, like like I said, those are the some of the best quarterbacks in the game. They allowed an average of just 244 passing yards and 1.2 touchdowns per game. This is not good. Rivers, for me, I don't think he's an option for cash, and I will not have any any Rivers in tournaments. Yeah, he's got, what, 1%, 2% chance of being the top quarterback in the slate? Not interested for GPP. Yeah, unfortunately, he's not. I'm not interested in Lamar Jackson for GPP either, for what it's worth. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, It's I don't think that he's a great play either. I mean, I think he's a better cash play. Could use him in cash. Yeah, I think he's a better cash play. But again, he's 5,800. You don't have to go up very far to get to luck. So it's like 600 bucks. I could find that savings elsewhere. The Chargers have uh, faced 62 rushing attempts by quarterbacks this year. On them carries, they allow just 3.89 yards per carry and no touchdowns. I mean, Jackson, thanks to lo- one long touchdown, he looked pretty good against them, like his final passing line. like his he's, It was a career high, I think, 204 passing yards and one touchdown. <laughs> That's his career high, yeah. <laughs> a lot of it was on one pass. So it's like you're going to – the Chargers have allowed just 13 passing touchdowns in their last 12 games. So it's very possible that Lamar Jackson throws zero touchdowns, and you're going to need him to rush. He has not completed 15 passes in a single game. And this is against the number 32 pass defense, Cincinnati, number 31, Kansas City, number 30, the Browns, 27, the Bucks, 28, the Falcons, 26, the Raiders. He's had the easiest schedule of any quarterback, and, uh, you know, he really hasn't done much with it. So not much of a ceiling here. Decent floor, but why would you with Andrew Luck? Right, that's kind of how I feel. All right, let's go running backs then. I really love Melvin Gordon, even against Baltimore, because you look at his game log, and when he's been the starter, he doesn't even need that many touches. He crushes every time, but I don't have room for him with Zeke. But is he healthy, though? That's the concern. Like, I don't know what's happening. Ever since he returned from his knee sprain, he's totaled just 83 yards on 22 carries. He's chipped in with six receptions for 37 yards. He played two of the best run defenses in the NFL, though, as well. And he's about to play another tough one here. Like, this, I mean, the Ravens, I I would argue that they're the number two run defense in the NFL. They've been dominant against running backs and even you know I don't know the last the last few weeks they've they've held uh, Melvin Gordon and Nick Chubb to just 65 yards on 21 carries they've cut down on his uh on his use in the passing game as well so I think it's pretty easy to go with Zeke here but I'd, I'd love to use Gordon if I could afford it yeah I don't think Gordon is like someone that I like when we talk about running backs we're looking for touches right and like he should get touches but in Baltimore that team is just so damn good uh you, you're gonna need some touchdowns from Melvin Gordon at 7700 so knowing his price and in the matchup how brutal it is just pay up for Zeke like I, I'm I'm gonna avoid Melvin Gordon in cash 
Um, in tournaments, you should definitely have some exposure because he's a running back that could, you know, he could net 20 touches in this game. And um, when you get a running back with 20 touches, getting the goal line work and how good he is in the red zone, you get a running back like that. It's, it's difficult to avoid him on a four game slate, but uh, in cash, definitely pay up for Zeke. Okay, Dex, without looking, I'm going to ask you a question. Don't cheat. Okay, we already talked about how Ezekiel Elliott's like a guarantee for 25-plus touches. I would probably put his average at 29 over the past two weeks just based on the, the memory of going through that game log. How many times does Melvin Gordon have 20 touches this season? touches I, I i know like i'm not gonna i'm not obviously not gonna look i'm not gonna cheat but i do know that i brought up the stat earlier this year where he didn't he never got to 20 carries in a game um they like continually stopped him at like 18 carries so i mean uh i'll say three times this year he topped five yeah even five is really low we're talking about zeke having maybe 30 touches gordon's been to 20 just five times in 12 games and he's banged up so hopefully this is not a hard decision for you guys anymore yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I I like Melvin Gordon, the player. I'm just worried that he's not 100%. And if he's not 100% against this Baltimore defense, it's like, that's just too risky for cash. Uh, again, in tournaments, I'm fine playing him uh, just to get some exposure. But I do think he's going to be heavily owned. Are you going to be one of these people using Gus Edwards in cash games? No. No, me either. Okay. I think Baltimore could be up, but I, I hate when people are like, well, the Chargers didn't even win their division. Guys, they had as many wins as the Chiefs, and you're all talking about them as like the Super Bowl favorites. The Chargers are really, really good. If you're going to rely on Gus Edwards, you've got, the, you've got to have the game script. It is not safe for cash games. No, no, it's really not. And if you look at his carries, they're trending in the wrong direction. Like he was at 23 and 21 carries in weeks uh, 12 and 13. And with Dixon's role growing, I mean, over the last three weeks, we've seen Edwards go 19 carries, 15 carries, 12 carries. And like, he's not involved in the passing game at all. Like legit, he has one target over the seven games he's played. I'm not saying that Kenneth Dixon is like heavily involved, but at least he's getting targeted at times. Well, he's averaging 10, 10 carries per game the last three weeks. Yeah, and Dixon's been producing on them. Like the thing is, is Harbaugh's talked about getting Dixon more involved and he saw a season high 13 touches, which was more than Edwards. Edwards is like the type of guy, the reason I don't like him on a site like DraftKings, there is no no possible way for you to like to get excited about playing him. If he has 12 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown, you're talking about 11 points. Is that going to win you a tournament? No, it's not. What are the chances he even gets one reception? Like 5%? I mean, from so far, <laughs> he has one through seven games. So whatever that is, that, does that work out to like 13%? I like Dixon for uh, for GPP. I wouldn't use him in cash games, but he's the guy to use out of that backfield. Austin Eckler's dealing with a groin injury. I want to stay away from him as well. I can't see him having a big game against Baltimore. You know, Eckler missed the game against Baltimore two weeks ago, so we didn't get to see them play. But, you know, he has had some big games, so I could use him in GPP, but I don't want much exposure if I do because he's got the uh, the injury and really hasn't done much this season. Mm -hmm. And knowing that running backs haven't been efficient against the Ravens, it's pretty much easy to avoid him in this one. And the wide receivers, like, stay away. Like, I'm just going to put this, like, very bluntly. Stay away from Ravens receivers. Stay away. Like, don't touch them. Like, none of them. John Brown in a tournament, maybe, if you want. People are going to try to get so cute, and they're going to be like, nobody's going to own Willie Sneed. No one's going to own Michael Crabtree. And they're going to get two receptions for 20 yards. Right. Well, that's fine. I mean, Willie Sneed hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Uh, Lamar Jackson, probably not going to throw a touchdown in this game. Michael Crabtree, he has been held to 66 yards or less in 15 of 16 games with the Ravens. Since Lamar Jackson took over as a starter, he hasn't topped three catches or 36 yards. He's not playable. John Brown... He's the one play guy. It's like you need one play for him to pay off at 3,700. So that's that's fine. But on the Charger side of the ball, 
Tyrell Williams is not playing, like you're not playing him. I could see a case for any of them in GPP because all three of them, Williams, Williams and, and Travis Benjamin, could have a big play here or there. Williams, so Tyrell Williams, I don't like um, just because like I don't feel like he's a red zone option. I do like Mike Williams in tournaments. Well, you, you don't like a, a 60-yard catch for a touchdown because that's what Tyrell Williams offered two times this season. But against the Ravens, that doesn't happen. Like, that's a, that's that's the reason. It's just like, I, I'm not saying it can't happen. So, I mean, like, it's the one that's if you're playing him, you're hoping for one play because that's basically what you're going to get. It's like a John Brown type play, but you're, pay, you're paying 4,100 more. Um, Mike Williams, on the other hand, is a red zone guy. Um, like, he can sky over anyone and snag. Like, can he score two touchdowns in this game? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't use him in cash. No, not in cash, um, especially being that he's playing. Like, over the last uh, two weeks, he's played 32 fewer snaps than Tyrell Williams, which is just stupid. So, on the season, Mike Williams has one more target than Tyrell Williams. He has 42.4 more PPR points. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah, it's it's dumb. But, I mean, wh- what do you think about Keenan Allen? Is he someone that you would think about in cash? I would think about him, yeah, but, I mean... I can't afford Hilton, Hopkins, and Allen, and he's my number three option. So um, Baltimore's not as good against the slot as they are on the outside. Allen doesn't always play in the slot, but he'll get, he'll, they move him all around. He'll play in the slot some. So I think he's going to be just fine. I don't really want to play him against the Ravens, though. He was fine two weeks ago. Uh, five out of eight targets, 58 yards, no touchdowns. Why would you do that when you can get Hilton and or Hopkins? Well, let's let's say that someone has Hopkins in their lineup and they have to choose between, well, or they, they don't have enough money for Hilton and they have to choose between Keenan Allen or Amari Cooper. Which one would you go with? That's tough, man. I think I'd go with Amari, even in cash games. Yeah, it's really tough. So like Keenan Allen is 6,900, Amari 75. So you're getting a discount to go to Keenan. Keenan Allen, outside of the game that he was injured and he had to leave, he has totaled at least 10.4 PPR points in 14 of 15 games. So, like, knowing that, like, the importance of this game and the brutal matchups for Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams on the perimeter and the fact that, you know, Tavon Young, their slot cornerback within Baltimore, I I think that he's the most susceptible to allowing a big game. I feel like Allen's going to get targeted a bunch. I think he's someone that you could lock in for eight-plus targets, so... I think I might go Keenan Allen over Amari in cash, but I think I would play Amari over Keenan Allen in tournaments. Let me rephrase that. On DraftKings, I would go with Keenan Allen over Amari Cooper, not even close. He's $600 cheaper. On FanDuel, I would go with Amari Cooper over Keenan Allen, not even close. He's $900 cheaper. Amari's $900 cheaper? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's why we've got him at 50% ownership over there. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, what about tight end? Do you like anyone in this game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the right answer. Uh, Mark Andrews for a GPP? Maybe. Hunter Henry? Don't even think about it. Antonio Gates? Give me a break. I actually think so. Andrews is probably off limits for me. Um, he's splitting time with Hayden Hurst. Um, Nick Boyle's still running routes. Um, so Hunter Henry's interesting. Is he really? He he is, but here's the like. There's a disclaimer I'm putting in this. He's only 2,500. He's the absolute minimum. Like they don't get any cheaper than that. He'll be on a pitch count though, man. Okay, but why? So why are you going to bring a, a player back from an ACL injury if he, if he's not ready? Like, oh, I see. So you can use him in the red zone. You're risking him. That's what I'm saying. You're risking him being on the field. Like you know, so you know more than anybody else does as his team, as his with your team of doctors, your medical staff. They know more than anybody else. And if he was susceptible to like re-injuring that, I, I don't think he'd be back on the field for this game. And I think that he'll be announced as inactive if that's the case. But yeah, maybe they're just trying to troll with uh, with the Ravens to make them prepare for Hunter Henry. I don't, that's the thing. I don't think the Ravens are going to, I don't think that they're going to be like, well, we have to stop Hunter Henry now that he's coming back. I don't think that's the case. Uh, he could be a decoy. It's very possible that he plays 20 snaps, but 
at 2500 I find it very hard to pass that up. Like if you're look, if you're building some tournament lineups, if you're one of those, you know, you're doing multi entries. I think Hunter Henry is someone that I will have a little bit of exposure to in tournaments at 2,500, just because like it just makes too much sense. All right, for defense, I already mentioned the Los Angeles Chargers. I would use them against Jackson because Jackson hasn't seen a good defense except the Chargers, and he had that one big play. Besides that, he did nothing. I could see multiple turnovers, especially if they get down early, late. Could be really ugly. So I love the Chargers for GPP. Um, not fond of the Ravens at all. I think the Ravens are playable in cash and should get plenty of attention in tournaments as the home favorite here. Um, Phillip Rivers, like if they get pressure on him, again, Phillip Rivers, six interceptions the last four games. If one of those goes for a pick six, like that's going to put you ahead of the field. Um, defenses, you should never cross anybody off for tournaments, but I think the Ravens are playable in cash, but you're paying for them. They're 3K. They would be my choice here. To uh, the Chargers offensive line has been getting a little bit worse as the season's gone on. Like they they haven't been protecting Phillip Rivers as well. But again, it's going back to like if we want to pay up for some of these studs, it's very unlikely we're gonna have the money for the Ravens or the Bears defense. So uh, I don't think they're a bad option if you, if you if you're like set on it and you're like, should, why, is there a reason I shouldn't play the Ravens? I don't think there really is. All right, moving on over to the last game, it's Philadelphia at Chicago, and I don't really love anyone in this game. With that said, Mitch Trubisky for GPP is my favorite play because he's got that rushing upside. We haven't really seen it lately, but in the playoffs, all bets are off. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like, so this is Chicago weather, all right? The the temperatures are actually supposed to be pretty good for this game, and I know that because I'm going to be at the game. So it's supposed to be like in between 30 and 40 degrees, so it's actually not terrible weather. There is a lake effect, though, like the the Bears play right on the lake, so the wind can always be a factor uh, this time of year. The Bears have made it a point to being to use Jordan Howard a lot more over the last couple weeks, and I think it's because they were preparing for this. Um, the Eagles have been maybe the worst run defense you know, over the last eight games. Um, they've been terrible against the run. They just can't stop anybody right now. I know the last two weeks don't look great, but when you look at who they played, I'm not going to basically... Alfred Blue and Adrian Peterson, who each had four carries, I'm not going to take that into consideration. Howard's the kind of bruiser you want to play in the cold. I, I had him in my lineup until you talked me into Hopkins. Then I went down to Darren Sproles, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, I would love to use Howard. I think he's a good play this week. Yeah, I do like Howard. I think Howard and Cohen actually both can be played. Howard isn't as enticing on DraftKings as he would be on FanDuel just because obviously he doesn't catch very many passes, but he is the type of guy. Would it shock me if if Jordan Howard went for 100 rushing yards and two touchdowns? No, it wouldn't. Uh, Not against the Eagles. The Eagles have been, again, they've been terrible. Trubisky is... He's too expensive for cash. Like, I don't even consider him in cash. Like, ever since he came back from his shoulder injury, he's totaled 13.1 points or less in three of four contests. Uh, The Eagles' secondary is not good. They've been decimated by injuries. Everybody knows that. So, can the Bears choose to attack there? Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, he's a great play for tournaments. I'm with you on that. Foles, he's not someone you should play in any lineup. Like, I will have zero exposure to Nick Foles in tournaments and cash. And that's being completely honest. Yeah, you don't mess with the Bears defense. Don't forget about Mitch Trubisky if you're thinking, ah, I got to discount him in in GPP. I, I can't possibly use him. He's been a turd lately. You look at his game log. Remember, he has the best of all time four-game stretch in fantasy football history. Earlier in the season, 43 points, 28, 33, 22. Two games later, he had 36 I mean, this guy can put up some points in a hurry. He definitely can, and that's the thing is like it. We it just it just depends on how the Bears want to attack Philly. I just think in the playoffs, it's like I don't know if they get too cute. It's like stick to what you've been doing, and they've been running the ball extremely well as of late. Um, and knowing that the Eagles have really struggled against the run, that's kind of where I'm at. Again, prior to Adrian Peterson and Alfred Blue doing nothing because they each had four carries again. 
the Eagles had allowed a top 18 running back in nine straight games, including six top five performances. Howard, after averaging 3.3 yards per carry from weeks one to 12, he has 4.5 yards per carry and four touchdowns over the last five games, and he's totaled at least 15 touches in those games. So at 4,600, I'm not I'm not totally against him on DraftKings, but he's someone that's very touchdown dependent in that format. So you said you'd use Howard and Cohen. Could you could you use Cohen in a cash game? Yes, I think you absolutely can. Um, with with Allen Robinson at maybe less than 100%, Anthony Miller is questionable for this game. Cohen should have a big role in, in, in the passing game. Should, but I mean, I'm looking at his game log. 1.8 fantasy points against the Bills, 4.5 against the Vikings, 2.4 against the 49ers. This is on FanDuel. So here's the thing. On PPR, 11.2 or more DraftKing points in 10 of his last 13 games. That's a high floor for a running back at 5,400. And against the Eagles, again, who have been struggling against the run, and they also allowed the second most receptions to running backs this year, uh, the sixth most fantasy points through the air to running backs. So it's like, I believe that the Eagles, there's been four separate occasions where they have allowed opposing running backs to record at least 10 receptions and 74 yards. That's not like a, oh, we kind of fudged this up. We game plan wrong. Four different occasions. That's like, that's a trend. So I think that both Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard are playable. All right. I like Darren Sproles. I already mentioned him. Uh, The Eagles have been using him quite a bit more lately. You look at his snap count and he's getting involved. Now that was when they were ahead. When they're playing from behind, he's going to be on the field almost the whole game. I expect him to be behind in this one. And Darren Sproles has been piling up the yards lately and the receptions. He's at 4100 on DraftKings, and I'm having a hard time getting there. He's cheap on FanDuel. 5500 is a good price. I, that's, that's the thing. Is, like, is Josh Adams cheaper than him on FanDuel? Josh Adams is 5700 Josh Adams is going to run the ball like eight times. It's possible. I, I, do, I don't think any of them are in play for cash, any of the Eagles running backs, because like over ever since... Uh, Corey Clement went to IR on a four game sample. None of them, none of the running backs like Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles, none of them have averaged more than 27.8 snaps per game. That's it's not cash territory. And the bears have been phenomenal against running backs all season long. Oddly enough, like what I noticed, the bears only allowed uh, rushing touchdowns to divisional opponents. Uh, The Packers scored one and the lions scored three. That's it. Yeah. That's not very good. Yeah. I don't think Sproles gets in through the ground, though. No, definitely. I mean, you're looking for the passing down work. That's what you're looking for with Sproles. I think I would just rather play Naheem Hines, honestly. He's, he's a little bit cheaper on DraftKings. He's 3,500. Sproles is 41. It's just the snaps I don't like if you're looking for guaranteed touches. Sure. All right. So what do you think about the wide receivers in this game? Anyone interest you at all? I mean, Jeffrey for tournaments, just because like Foles is the type to, to degaff it and just throw it up to him. I don't think that's very smart against the Bears. They had 27 interceptions this year. No other team had more than 21. Like they're full of ball hawks like Amukamara, Fuller, Eddie Jackson's coming back for the game. There, there's just so many ball hawks here that it, I don't you're not going to play Jeffrey in cash. And uh, in tournaments, I'd play Jeffrey. I think a lot of people I think he's going to be a very popular option. I think a lot of people are going to play Nelson Aguilar and I want no part of him. Yeah, I don't want a part of Aguilar either. Um, He's been fine. Like, Nick Foles loves Aguilar, but I don't want to play him in cash games. Yeah, what, what do you think about Golden Tate? Is he in play? He has the best matchup on the field. Like, if, if the Eagles, like, traded for him and they, they, they want him to do something, this is, like, where he should get it done. Like, Sherrick McManus is the guy that had to take the place of Bryce Callahan, the Bears slot cornerback who went to IR a couple weeks ago. And McManus has only seen 69 targets in coverage over his entire nine-year career. On those on those 69 targets, 606 yards and six touchdowns. 
Tate, his snaps have been going down. He has played less than 30 snaps in three of the last four games. So I don't know if that changes. I don't know if they change much in the game plan, but he hasn't been on the field with Foles. Like, I think that they've almost admitted their mistake and said that they shouldn't have traded for him and kept things as it was. That sucks, man. It does. But I I mean, I don't, I'm not going to play Tate and Cash, but I do think that he's in play for tournaments. All right. I like Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Taylor Gabriel is an option for me in GPP. I could use Tate or Aguilar in GPP. Not interested in Robinson at all or Anthony Miller. He just hasn't been used as much lately. Um, let's move on over to tight ends, tags. You already mentioned Ertz is a no-go against the, the Bears. What about Trey Burton against Philly? I don't like him. <laughs> I don't. I mean, you'd have to go all the way back to week seven to find the last time that Trey Burton had more than 40 yards. He scored just one touchdown since week nine. In fact, I'd rather play Adam Shaheen in, in GPP because I think he could get in the end zone once, maybe even twice. I'd still stick with Burton in tournaments, um, but like it, it, it's like in cash. I mean, we're, we're talking about $800 more for Eric Ebron. It's a, it's kind of a no-brainer for me. I want to go back. Why don't you like uh, Allen Robinson? I don't like Allen Robinson because he hasn't done anything lately. He's been banged up. He's not healthy. Last time he scored at least 11 fantasy points on, on FanDuel is uh, against Detroit on November 11th. And it, I mean, that's the thing. It's just like the, Trubisky hasn't been good. So if you're talking about playing Trubisky in a, in a GPP lineup – you're going to need to pair him. Like, I, I like Taylor Gabriel as, like, one... I, I'd pair him with Cohen and Gabriel and Fade Robinson. Gabriel dinged up his ribs on uh, a 40-yard catch last week, and that's something I need to watch as, like, this game comes up. But Robinson, like, when he's on the field, man, he's getting targeted. And Miller's banged up with a shoulder, too. Yeah, and there's been 21 wide receivers who have seen seven-plus targets against the Eagles. All but two of them, which were Dante Moncrief and Jamison Crowder, scored double-digit PPR points. I just feel like if you're getting, if you have a chance to get eight targets with a guy at 5,600, I think you have to look at him. Okay. I think he's usable in cash, but I don't think you need to. But I do think he's a solid tournament option as the Bears' clear cut number one option who's going to be matched up with a rookie, a fourth round rookie, Avante Maddox. All right. Defense special teams. Uh, obviously the bears are in play, but they're so expensive. I can't do it. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. <laughs> Could you see Trubisky? I know you're a bears fan. You don't want to see this, especially since you'll be there. Could you see him melting down against the Eagles? Could I see him melting down against the Eagles? I, I don't want to say that because I don't think they have the pass rush. Eagles pitched a shutout last week for the win to make the, to make the playoffs. I mean, they were also against a four string quarterback. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, Josh Johnson, <laughs> it is what it is. Trubisky. The thing is you have to get pressure on him to make some bad decisions. And I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think the Eagles have that in them. The Eagles, I mentioned this on there. They were, their defense didn't post a single top 10 performance in weeks one through 16. They finally got on the board week 17 against the Redskins who again, were down to their four string quarterback, but the, the Redskins were the team that allowed the most fantasy points to opponents in 2018. The Bears allowed just the 11th fewest fantasy points to their opponent. Kyle Long came back for the Bears, their Pro Bowl guard. Trubisky hasn't thrown an interception in each of the last three games, and the Eagles have intercepted just 10 passes all year. So, I mean, in tournaments, you don't ever want to cross someone off because it's possible there's a pick six, 100%. It's very possible because Trubisky, sometimes he literally, it, he gets into his own head and he, he makes he makes some of the greatest throws. And then he also makes some boneheaded ones where you're like, what are you doing, Mitch? Um, so it's in, in tournaments, I will never, ever cross off someone, especially on a four game slate. But I don't think it makes sense to play the Eagles in anything but like a, a punt play in tournaments. All right, man. Let's round this off by giving three locks of the week in reverse order. You start us off. Who's your number three? Number three, I think we have to go with T.Y. Hilton here. T.Y. Hilton at 7,800. You know, I do like him as a play an awful lot, and that's why I'm saying there's three players that I'm going to have in every in my cash lineup, like, and I'll, I'll figure everything else out, but he would definitely be with one at 78. 
I've got T.Y. Hilton as my number three as well. Yep. And uh, number two, I'm going to stick Hopkins at number two just because, like, again, I am not going to pass up 10, 12-plus targets in, in a, in a four-game slate. Can't do it. I mean, they didn't price him at, like, you know, 9,800. He's 8,700. It's expensive, sure, but give me the targets. Like, and he has performed against Indianapolis this year? Kind of. I don't know. A couple weeks ago, he had four receptions for 36 and a touchdown. So he did put up the – he did get the fantasy points, but they contained him a little bit. But then again, last five weeks, 12, 10, 11, 12 – 16 targets against Jacksonville. So it is hard to pass up. I don't have him in my top three. My number two is Eric Ebron. He's a great play. There's no other tight end I would consider. Yeah, no, he's a great play. And it's it's really tough to say that Ebron's not there. I actually, at number three, I should have put like a co-thing between T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck. I think those guys, like, I think Luck's an awesome play. And I might even say... I, I didn't put Luck just because Watson's also a very good play. Yeah, I but luck at his price, it's like, you know, you don't want to miss at quarterback on the slate. You don't want to pay down and just miss because I think that Luck and Watson are going to be guys that I, I would almost lock them in for 20-plus fantasy points in this game. All right, sounds like we have the same number one then. Oh, yeah, Z- Ezekiel Elliott. Yep, got to play him. Got to play him. Don't get cute. <laughs> you will flush your money down the toilet. Everyone else is going to have Zeke. Let me see what we've got his ownership at. 86%. Don't be the 14%. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a home favorite running back that is going up against a Seattle defense that, as I mentioned, over the last nine games has allowed 5.13 yards per carry. All right, guys, that's all for today's show. Thank you for listening in. We're going to be doing this show again next week and start the offseason content as well. Thanks to the sponsor of today's show, PristineAuction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. And don't forget to sign up for the free DraftKings contest at FantasyPros.com slash contest. For Mike Deglier, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all slow.